everyone. Welcome back to Crime Nor Reason. Each week, we discuss different topics related to true crime, the paranormal, and the unexplained. I'm Diana, and this week I'll be covering the case of Jeannie Wiley. And I'm Natalie, and this week I'll be covering the Dancing Plague of 1518. Have you heard of this, Diana? I think so, yeah, but I've never actually heard or read anything in depth. This is one of the most insane stories that you'll ever hear, and the crazy thing is that it's actually true. So probably through a lot of this, I'll be telling you, and it'll sound pretty unbelievable. So this all started in July of 1815 in Strasbourg, France, and a woman named Frau Trophea stepped out into the streets, and she started dancing with no explanation. And at first, people didn't think much of it, and they assumed that she was just taking a break from her work. And others thought that she may have been trying to annoy her husband because he seemed really embarrassed by her dancing and he was trying (laughs) to stop her. And then there was others that were just, you know, watching her dance and cheering her on. So this didn't seem too weird. But she was dancing very strangely and erratically. So she was twisting, twirling, and shaking. And what was really weird is that she continued to dance without stopping and without breaks. For how long? Sorry. This was for a very long time and it continued through the night. So this is when people started to become concerned because Mm -hmm. it was just nonstop dancing and this weird frenzied motions. And so there was a lot of people who were trying to stop her and she would not stop and just continued. And they even had priests who would come out there who would try to stop her. And she ended up going on for so long that she, she eventually collapsed from exhaustion. And she eventually got back up and just continued dancing after collapsing. So she ended up dancing in the street for almost a week. And weirdly enough, her dancing seems contagious. So soon enough, there was more than 30 other people who had joined Mrs. Truffaut in her frenzied dancing. So a lot of the witnesses described the dancers as looking possessed. So their movements were really frantic and unnatural, Mm -hmm. and their eyes had rolled up to show only the whites of their eyes. Oh, that is creepy. (laughs) Don't like that. So the weird thing is, when you picture someone dancing, they're probably having fun, You know, they're happy, but they seemed really distressed and to be suffering rather than enjoying themselves. So city authorities became pretty concerned really quickly about the dancing because it continued to spread and increase among the citizens. So they ended up forming a council called the 21 to try to come up with solutions to the problem. And within the council, there were local physicians who theorized that the dancing was caused by hot blood. So basically that their blood had overheated and caused them to act out all these crazy movements. Keep in mind, they didn't really understand science too much back then. So they proposed that the only way to cure the dancing that was caused by the hot blood was to make them dance even more. So kind of to get it out of their system. Sounds like a bad solution, right? (laughs) So this is just wild. So they ended up arranging stages in the center of town for all the dancers to gather in. And to encourage them to dance even more, they hired musicians and professional dancers to join the dancers who were afflicted. It's kind of a funny situation where it's like, oh, they have this thing going on to cure it. They must keep doing it. Yeah. How do we solve this problem? Let's just force you to continue. And start a party. (laughs) Yeah. It's very, very nonsensical to me, at least. With all this encouragement to continue dancing, many of the dancers eventually collapsed from exhaustion. And when they were collapsing, the musicians were ordered to continue to play music more vigorously to encourage them to get up and continue dancing. 
So if you see someone who's over there collapsed, just dead, tired. Instead of helping them. Yeah, you just want to encourage them to get up and continue dancing. Don't really see the logic there. And it's thought that the level of exertion from this dancing would be almost superhuman and that it would be more tiring than running a marathon. So I don't know if you ever did dance marathon in college, but that's an event where it's called dance marathon, but you're not dancing the whole time. But I think it's about eight hours that you can't sit down and it's supposed to be a charity event. And so I did that one year and that was just exhausting, not being able to sit for eight hours. So imagine not only are they dancing, but it's dancing very, very vigorously. So it's extremely tiring. And this is very strange because the population was generally malnourished and they were pretty weakened by disease and hunger. So it's not like these were Olympic athletes who were out there with this crazy endurance. So after this non-solution, the situation grew even worse. So there were eventually as many as 400 people who were affected by the dancing craze. You said 400? 400. And keep in mind, this was in Stroudsburg and there was only 2,000 citizens who lived there. So that's 400 out of 2,000 who were affected. And they definitely noted that it was mostly women and peasants who were affected, which it was definitely disproportionate in the amount Mm -hmm. of people who were affected who were women. And there's some mixed evidence in this of people dying from the dance craze. Um, There was no evidence in contemporary sources, so sources at the time that noted anyone dying. But some years later, there were sources that claimed that up to 15 people had day died from the craze and to me that's believable because if these were people who were malnourished and maybe kind of weakened especially having to dance non-stop for that long and they weren't really eating or drinking much that would to me definitely be a recipe for possible fatalities so of course as you could probably guess the plan to make them dance out their craze completely backfired and it was just a total disaster Because putting the stage in the center of a town ended up attracting more attention and then it caused even more people to join in. So this just built up all those who were affected even more. So the group who was focusing on solutions, called the 21, they realized that their solution had really failed. and But they were still desperate to bring a stop to the dancing craze. So in an attempt to end the plague... They thought that it would be a good idea to ban all the citizens from the city who lived what they deemed immoral lifestyles. And this is just another completely bad idea. So this included anyone who was an alcoholic, thieves, sex workers, and gamblers. Basically anyone that they deemed an other, they banned. And I don't see how that they thought that this would help. Right. But that's just really terrible to me. So in addition to this, they also had citywide prayers to try to pray away the plague because they thought that it was caused by the wrath of God. And I think that they that may have been some of the reasoning of why they wanted to push people out of their town who they thought were immoral because they thought maybe that could have been the reason why God was causing all of this to happen to them. And so another of their solutions was that since the dancing seemed to spread when people were watching it happen, they came up with a new idea that they would keep all of the dancers out of public view. So in August, they banned public music and dancing in order to try to prevent more people from being attracted to the dancing. And yet somehow the numbers continued to grow anyways. So their final solution was to load up some carts with those who were affected and to bring them to a shrine to pray. And the solution actually started to reduce the number. So it's thought that because they were separated from the general population, this reduced the amount of people who were being affected. 
So by September, which was about two months after it had started, the dancing died down with no explanation. And the survivors took some time to recover, and they even showed some signs of anxiety and insomnia. So unfortunately, even after the dancing ended, this still continued to impact them. And then that same month, they lifted the ban on dancing and music and allowed all of the people who they had deemed undesirables to return to town. So things kind of went back to normal Mm -hmm. after this. So this is all really crazy and it seems unbelievable, but as weird as it is, there were actually several other documented dancing outbreaks in Europe between the 10th and 16th centuries. So this was not an isolated event. But due to the recent invention of the printing press, the dancing plague of 1518 is very well documented, whereas opposed to the other dancing outbreaks, Mm -hmm. it's not as well documented, but we're pretty sure that they were things that had happened. And it was extremely mysterious at the time because, as I said, they didn't really have an understanding of science, so they tended to blame it on factors that were most likely not true. So they believed that it was caused by overheated blood, as I said earlier, or that it was demonic possession or that God was unleashing wrath on their city for defying him. So we can pretty much rule out all of these now, so I'm going to get into a few of the modern theories of the causes of the dancing plague. So the first theory is that those who were affected may have eaten bread that was made from rye flour contaminated with ergot. So that's a fungal disease that can cause convulsions, irrational behavior, and hallucinations. So if this sounds familiar at all, it's because there's a similar theory to explain everything that happened in the Salem witch trials. Mm-hmm. I've heard that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That they had had hallucinations and all these strong reactions mm-hmm. based on the bread that they were eating. But it is argued that those who are poisoned by ergot would not be able to dance for days at a time as they had in Strasbourg. So it doesn't explain why they would have this crazy strength and determination to keep dancing. And it's also argued that they wouldn't have all reacted in the same way and have had such a shared reaction to it. And it's also a very well-known poison, especially at that time, because it was very common So it's likely that if that was the cause, that people would have recognized the symptoms, that it wouldn't have been as mysterious. So the second theory is that the dancing was caused by stress-induced mass hysteria, and that it may have been a form of mass psychogenic illness. So a mass psychogenic illness, or MPI, is the rapid spread of illness signs and symptoms within members of a cohesive group, and that it all originates from a disturbance in the nervous system. So this would be similar to a disease spread by virus or bacteria, but rather than being spread by those methods, it's spread through shared hysteria and delusion. So another example of an outbreak of MPI is the Tanganyika laughter epidemic of 1962. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of this? Yes, I've heard of this one. Yeah, so it's very similar when you look at some of the details. So the outbreak started in a girl's school that they had started to laugh, and the laughing became extremely contagious and it spread to other communities. And it ended up affecting up to a thousand people and lasted several months. So one factor in MPI that allows it to spread so quickly within certain groups is heightened levels of stress. And this makes complete sense with the dancing plague of 1518 because those living in Strasbourg at the time were under extreme stress. I mean, the Middle Ages in general, it's very stressful time. You had the the Black Plague, you know, everything was difficult I guess so and I imagine more so for the lower classes and possibly the women like you said oh yes especially that's definitely a factor so at the time their lives were very dependent on the land that they lived on so their entire livelihood might be determined by how well their crops did 
So factors that were completely out of their control. And so if there was drought or a bad harvest, this could lead to really extreme famine and death. And unfortunately, this was only exacerbated by the church because they were very corrupt and they would use all of their power to hoard a lot of the resources, especially during times of drought and famine. And this is terrible. They would tax even the poorest citizens and they would manipulate the citizens into believing that making those payments would get them into heaven. So if they were not making the payments, basically their souls would not be saved. And just taking advantage of their total belief in the church. Right. That's awful. So many citizens were able to, I guess, see through this behavior and they became very frustrated and saw that the church was taking advantage of them. But in order to squash any rebellions, the authorities issued an order that all publications had to be reviewed by city leaders and that the clergy would have to review all of it before it was circulated. So they could basically censor anything negative that was written about them so that that would not spread awareness of what was happening. And not only that, like many other cities at this time, Strasbourg was very, very dirty. I mean, you just imagine they didn't have modern plumbing, their water wasn't filtered. Just without all of the modern conveniences that we have now, it was a lot easier to have things spread. So, for example, people and animals would defecate in the streets. So there was just streets that just had all this waste that was there that that can really spread diseases. And they were also dumping a lot of things in the water, so that made the water that they drank very unclean. Oh, no. So in poor living conditions like this, and with a lack of sanitation, there were a lot of diseases that spread. So some of these were smallpox, leprosy, and syphilis that were spreading around that area. And as I touched on earlier, many of the citizens considered all of this hardship to be the wrath of God. So this season of my last theory is that the dancing was fueled by religious ideas, especially in the worship of St. Vitus. So St. Vitus was a Catholic saint and the patron saint of epileptics and dancers. So a form of worship for St. Vitus is that people would dance to worship him. So many believed that this fueled some of the mass hysteria and beliefs that the dancing was related to religion. Because when people started to dance and they weren't able to stop, they thought that it was St. Vitus cursing them and forcing them to dance because they had failed to worship him properly. Hmm. So essentially that they had angered this saint. So he was forcing them to dance as a way to pay tribute to him. So along with this, some also believe that the dancing may have been a sign of demonic possession So as I mentioned earlier, the disease impacted women disproportionately. So people theorized that this was because women were lustful and full of sin, so that they were more likely to be manipulated by the devil. Of course. Bunch of misogynists. (laughs) I also was waiting for the the Satan or the devil theory, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it it really does, again, remind me of the Salem witch trials. Mm -hmm. Especially because in a lot of those cases, that was women who were accused, and it was you know, similar hysteria and finding scapegoats for these issues. Right. So basically they ended up victim blaming those who were affected and they thought that they deserved their punishment, that it was an act of God or the devil that was forcing them to be dancing. And because those who were affected were mainly women and peasants, it was really easy for these elite members of the society to cast blame on them. And unfortunately, as part of their religion, they really believed that women were inferior to men And there was honestly some stories in the Bible that they would use to back up their beliefs. So like the story of Eve, 
she was considered very weak and very disobedient to Adam. And I mean, if you even look, she was made out of, I think, his rib. Right, yeah. So she was not even her own person. She was made out of him. So it all just kind of goes back to the idea that women are there for men and inferior to them. That was really common in their society. And now that we know, we have a better understanding of things, we know that it was primarily affected women because women were so mistreated at the time. So as I mentioned earlier, there was a lot of connections with people who were in high-level stress situations that they would be affected the most. And because women had very little freedom at the time, and they were often subject to physical and sexual abuse, unfortunately. And they really had no way to escape their lives or try and seek anything better because it was just this broad society notion that women were inferior and they didn't really have any way to improve upon that. And that also leads back to why peasants were most likely affected as well, because they also had very difficult lives. Mm -hmm. So those are the theories, but it's most widely believed that the dancing plague was caused by a combination of several factors. So this includes the hardships that the citizens faced, especially women, would have lowered their serotonin levels and it would have made them more open to become um, in a trans-like state. And the trance spread through a shared hysteria, which was further fueled by religious fears. So it was a little bit of all of the theories besides the ergot theory. So do you have any thoughts? I think it's interesting. I just can't imagine in a public area seeing a bunch of people dancing like crazy. How eerie, huh? With their eyes um, turned, what do you call it? With the whites of their eyes showing only. Um, I don't know. I'm curious what caused it. Probably the stress, but I I just, I guess I've never seen it. So it's kind of slightly hard to believe, but I guess, I mean, it's not a far out theory. Yeah, I think that because there were a few different dancing praises that happened in Europe throughout the 10th and 16th century, I think that we can definitely narrow down to there may have been some common factors mm-hmm. that could have caused it. So such as very high stress levels. You know, these people are living in very stressful conditions. There was all sorts of plagues and diseases. And then also I think that it possibly could have some had some connection to religious fervor. Um, as I mentioned earlier, that could have helped fuel it. I think there's something in the human brain that if you get caught up in a delusion, you can do things that are not otherwise possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you see examples of exorcisms, just to say I personally do not believe in possession, demonic possession. But if you see people who are claimed to be possessed by demons or whatsoever, um, they may exhibit superhuman strength. Mm-hmm. And I would attribute that to maybe there's some sort of very strong delusion that is somehow giving them this insane strength or power that they wouldn't otherwise have. Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is that the mind does have the capabilities of going into certain delusions that even if it's not your intention, you feel like it is. I don't know. Your mind convinces you otherwise. And I think that's further evidenced in this case by the fact that they were able to dance for so long without really being too exhausted i mean occasionally they would collapse but they were able to do this for hours on end for days on end Mm -hmm. so that just points to me some sort of sign that there was just this very strong delusion that ended up fueling all of their power in this all right so my sources for this were bbc.com atlas obscura history.com britannica.com the unexplained mysteries podcast and wikipedia that was a good story Thank you. I've been interested in that for years. 
it is interesting so many theories and i mean obviously we can't be sure what happened so i always love weird unexplained things from history me too (laughs) well weird from any anything i guess (laughs) but the history ones are interesting because you can see people's different point of view and stuff yeah i think that's what interests me so much about the historical aspects of these cases is people were in such a different mindset um and they didn't have as much access to you know like photography science scientific knowledge things like that to capture these phenomena so i guess some of it we have to take with a grain of salt but i think it's very interesting Mm -hmm. okay so today i'm covering Jeannie wiley and her case which is known sometimes as Jeannie the feral child have you heard of this oh my gosh i think i have it's pretty sad this is kind of an older story Mm -hmm. okay i have So Jeannie Wiley is known as one of the victims of the worst case of social isolation. She was born in 1957, and when she was around 14 to 20 months old, her father took her to the doctor where they diagnosed her as being mentally behind more than the average child. However, her dad took this diagnosis as it being severe when it really wasn't, and unfortunately... From then on, he completely isolated her in a bedroom in their house where she lived in complete darkness, strapped to a potty chair while naked, and sometimes she would be in a stray jacket. And from time to time, yeah, from time to time, they would keep her in a stray jacket. But throughout the day, she would always be on this, like, it's a child potty chair. So she never got to lay down? Um, Most nights, they would uh, lay her down. But unfortunately, also the crib that they had, it was like a crib. They would keep her in there and they would have this wire screen uh, as a top. So she was in a literal cage, basically. Her father would never speak to her and would actually bark and growl at her. And he also demanded that the others and by the others, um, she lived with her dad, her mom and her brother. And he also demanded that they do the same He would encourage them to bark at her, but to completely avoid any sort of communication with Jeannie. But why? I mean, not just why to all of this, but specifically that part. I I really don't know. I wish I knew. Um, You'll see how this story ends, but we actually never get to hear his explanation of any of it. And I don't know. I thought about why. I mean, it's all senseless, but that part just seems so random. I think he just wanted to abuser in every single way like mentally physically the only source of light in this room actually came from three inches in a window that had been covered so that nobody could see in and that's so Jeannie couldn't see out for some reason also her dad hated any sort of noises like he would just be extremely annoyed at any like loud noises or any kind of talking so he would physically abuse Jeannie anytime that she made a noise He had a baseball bat that he would hit her with. Oh, no. Yeah, this is a really sad story. Um, Jeannie, because of all of the abuse and no one was ever talking to her, she only knew about 20 words. And the only way she would try and get him to stop was by saying, stop it and no more. It seems like a miracle that she even knew that much considering Mm -hmm. they didn't talk to her. Yeah. And the only things that they fed her were things like applesauce and no really any solid food. I think the closest thing to solid food that they gave her was like a hard-boiled egg. So she was extremely malnourished. Jeannie's mom was partially blind due to cataracts and was later determined that she was also a victim in this household. 
and Jeannie was discovered by Los Angeles authorities on November 4th, 1970, when her mom, Irene, took Jeannie to a welfare office to seek benefits for herself. A social worker saw Jeannie and guessed that she was around six or seven years old, but reported her when she found out that Jeannie was actually 13 years old. Oh my god. Yeah, so that's just how malnourished she was. Her parents were arrested for the willful cruelty towards a child. The mother was released since she, it was evident that she had also been abused. And doctors, when they examined Jeannie, had determined that she had the, me- the mental capacity of an infant. Was that her first time that she had ever loved the house when she went with her mother? That we know of, yes. Because the neighbors were not aware that that family had a daughter. I wonder why her mom chose to take her out that day. Right. I think the mom, I mean, I think the mom knew, obviously, that that wasn't right. And maybe wasn't directly trying to seek help because maybe she thought that there would be repercussions. But I don't know. So when they they were arrested, Clark was told not to speak out about the case until he was in court. But the day that his hearing was going to happen... Their son, John, heard a gunshot at 8.45 a.m. Oh, my God. Yeah. Clark had died by suicide and had only left one note, which said, John will understand. My son, John, is in charge. Such a total cop-out that he doesn't even have to pay for anything that he did or explain himself. Yeah. And his daughter's life is just ruined. The least he could have done is explain, I think. Although, whatever explanation he had, I don't... What can he say that could possibly make anything better or make us understand why he did that well i don't think it would make anything better yeah. it's just but it's still just such a cop-out yeah a little bit more on the uh, backstory of this family is that when they got when irene and clark got married in 1944 clark didn't want any children but irene got pregnant multiple times and in total they had four, four children where only Jeannie and john survived the firstborn was named after her mother and was only 10 weeks old when Clark wrapped her up in a blanket and placed her in the garage drawer where she asphyxiated. What? Yeah. I'm it, just like I speechless. Know. Yeah, when I was researching this case, all I knew it was like it was a four-person family. And then when I kept researching it, no. There was actually two children that didn't survive. Oh my God, this is awful. The second born choked on his own mucus at two weeks old but i mean given what's been happening i don't know that i necessarily believe that it was an accident you know yeah i wonder if he could have choked on something that he was giving him or it could have been something related to his own doing mm-hmm. and then uh john the third born i think was the one that suffered the least amount of um direct abuse possibly but were the other two that died were they boys or girls i forgot one boy one girl Oh, interesting because i thought maybe in a weird way the fact that they were a certain gender yeah the fact that they were girls and he wanted a son i don't know but i guess if one was a boy and was a girl yeah but uh so john was the third born and he, actually at the age of four he moved in with his grandmother but his grandmother passed away two years later because of a hit and run and this is when um his parents moved into the grandmother's house and their fourth child was Jeannie. I mean, it, it truly is an unfortunate and heartbreaking 
case of what happened to Jeannie, but she was able to escape this abuse, and her case has helped answer many questions about mental development since our morality doesn't allow us to experiment on actual humans and do this kind of study. So, I mean, it's, it's absolutely unfortunate what happened to her, but it has allowed us to see how our mind can develop at, um, from our early childhood and how it can be affected if, if these, this kind of stuff happens. Since Ginny was rescued, she was able to learn many more words and use them and, able to commun- able, and was able to communicate. So that oh, is such great. a positive thing. And she always seemed very happy and lighthearted and just like full of good spirits around the people that were helping her and the doctors that were there for her. Currently, she's 63 years old and living in a care center in California. She's still alive. She's still alive. Sorry, I'm like just shocked. It is. I mean, that's how same way I feel. And I know that was a short story, but I mean, I I don't know. I'm I'm just glad that at least she's able to not feel that abuse anymore. Even though I'm sure it's not all gone from her memory. It's all she know, like knew as a child. Yeah, and the early years of development are so important. And it sounds mm-hmm. like she had absolutely no love, nothing positive in her childhood. I can't even imagine what sort of long-term impacts that that would have. So do we know anything more about her life? Was she able to live somewhat normally? Not necessarily normal, a normal life. From what I've researched, and they've kept secret the center that she's at. And her name, the name Jeannie, her actual name is Susan. But when this came, case came out for her safety, they just named her Jeannie. So that's oh, what that's she's good. known as. But from what I understand and what I've seen, the center that she is at, they have it full of activities, just different things that she can do so she doesn't have to be bored or in, in a room the entire time. So I think that's very positive, but I don't. she hasn't been able to live a normal life. She still hasn't been able to communicate. Um, that is so tragic that she was just totally robbed of all of her... Her life. Potential, her life, her existence basically i mean i'm so happy that she's still alive and that she can still somewhat live her life but it's just so insane to think how much it was negatively impacted by her father and i mean how can you do that to your own child to anyone i mean but especially Mm -hmm. your own child wow that's so crazy when you were saying it i was thinking that it took place so long ago but then saying now that she's in her 60s she's still alive and alive that just so put it into perspective that this was not that long ago. Like, she was found in the 70s and rescued then. But, yeah, I mean, she's still alive. It's not, like, in the distant past, so. Yeah, that's insane. What a sad story. Any story involving children. It's really sad. In abusive situations, that's I don't understand how people can abuse children. It's so sad and disgusting. That is such an evil person to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So I did watch a couple of different videos on YouTube. There's... uh, like short documentaries and other people reporting on it. I saw one by TLC and I also read different sources online, crackledkillers.wordpress.com and psychology today. Thanks for joining us this week. If you would like to see pictures from this episode, follow us on Instagram at crime nor reason. You can also fill out a form on our Instagram if you would like to request a topic for us to cover. And don't forget to join us next Wednesday for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.